Welcome to the OKC First podcast. Together, we're learning to do three things. Friendship with God. Friendship with one another. And open friendship for the sake of the world. For more information about OKC First, please visit OKCFirst.com. Our scripture for those of you who are following along and you're online or with your phone, or perhaps your Bible is going to be Matthew 14, verses 13 to 21, looking again to continuing this year-long emphasis on Jesus. My name is Jason Smith, and I'm one of the pastors here at OKC First Church, and our senior pastor, John Middendorf, he is in Africa. And I think it's about 6 p.m. in Africa right now. He's already had his full day, and they leave home tomorrow. We're going to be talking a little bit about John's good effort and that team of six, what they're doing in Zam. You're going to be hearing a little bit about that this morning. And I'm looking forward to seeing what God has for us. I've put some pressure on Ronnie to have that up on the screens in front of you, but I'm looking forward to having Stacy read this. It may not be ready for the screens, which is totally understandable. So if you want to open up your scriptures, your Bibles, your phones, it's going to be Matthew 14, verses 13 to 21. We've been looking in some of the parables, and now we have a chance to hear about one of these miracles. This miracle is the only miracle that appears in all four Gospels. And we're going to be taking a look about what this would mean for the Gospel of Matthew. And so I'm going to invite Stacy. You can go ahead and remain seated. And then I'm going to have Stacy read our scripture. And then we'll continue with this morning's worship and our sermon. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 14, verses 13 through 21. Now, when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them and cured their sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and the hour is now late. Send the crowds away so they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. Jesus said to them, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They replied, We have nothing here but five loaves and two fish. He said to them, Bring them here to me. Then he offered the crowd to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish. He looked up to heaven and blessed it and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds, and all ate and were filled. And they took up what was left over of the broken pieces, twelve baskets full, and those who ate were about five thousand men besides children and women. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Stacy, and thank you, team upstairs, for working with me. I'm so grateful for you and grateful for Chesney and the team that led us in worship this morning. We are in the middle of a summer sermon series, a super summer sermon series, and uh, okay, let's get, I'll make sure that those get, slides get up on the screen. I'm going to go backwards a little bit here. The summer sermon series is called The Academy, Learning to Answer the Call of God, and we have had a busy week in the life of the church. A lot has been going on, but one of those things was this Wednesday night, our super summer of fun. We had our Wheeler Park event. It was 100 and, I don't, was 118 degrees? I don't know. It seems like it was at least the hottest day of the summer is when we planned one of our outdoor events. If you can squint into that picture, everyone look real close at the middle of the O. If you look real close, it probably will zoom in for you. Yes, there it is. And you can see, look at that adorable picture of Pastor Lisa and some of our junior leaders. And if you can look up on top of the K and the C, if you zoom in real close, you'll be able to see a couple of people up there on top of those letters. 
uh, we had a wonderful evening. And then on Friday night, another outdoor event, over 100 degrees, we had our annual block party thrown by one, our neighborhood empowered, had a couple of fire trucks from our local fire department, and it was probably the highlight of the night was the kids dancing and playing in the sprinklers, where you helped to provide backpacks for some of the kids in our neighborhood and kids in our kids club to be able to have backpack as it's school is back. And so it's been quite the week. I mentioned Pastor John being in Africa. Last Sunday, they had a chance to commemorate the Naomi Tidwell, uh, the well that she had in 2011. And now a village has popped up around that well uh, that did not exist, exist before for the ways in which Naomi's generosity made that happen. And then this week, an incredible experience. I'm normally going to talk about it a little bit and not play the video because I know that John will want to play the video probably when he returns next week when he gets back to this pulpit. But they had a chance to visit the Kenyama Lusaka Zambia School. Now, if you've been to Zambia, I want you to stand up. There are only six on this team this year, but if you've been to Zambia, please stand up so we can see everyone in the life of our church who has been to Zambia. Mike and Mike and Amy and Laura and others uh, who are part of this mission. Well, the Kenyama Community School is something that OKC First Church and the Luca Foundation, which is the nonprofit that helps us to be able to support our mission in Zambia. You guys, the pictures this year are just incredible. You, and through Luca, support all of the teachers and administrators for this school. It's K through 7. You helped put up the septic tank and saved their ability to be able to have restrooms and clean water. You helped build a wall. And this year, there will be 1,200 students, K through 7th grade. Our team of six who were there on this ministry trip to Zambia went and visited every single classroom in that school this week. Look at the pictures of the impact that you are making as the kingdom of God has come to bear witness around the world. And there are videos, and John won't stop talking about Africa for months, so get ready for it now. And I'm going to go ahead and advance, say, if God is touching your heart right now, you need to go on our next trip, probably two summers from now. Already, God is probably speaking to you to say, this is somewhere where I want to be. You are a church that values education. And I am so grateful. You've been a church that's valued education forever. Back in the olden days, back in the 30s and 40s and 50s, down our churches at 6th and Francis, we had an after-school kids club program called the Straight Shooters. It was just for these ragamuffin boys. Later, Catherine Cherry came along, and she was able to have a class for girls called the Livewire Girls. To this day, we have an after-school program. Jamise, stand up. We want to say hello. This is Jamise. She runs our Neighborhood Empowered. She's our executive director. <laughs> was talking with Jamise this morning, and she said the best way that this church can help support one an after-school program would be just your financial donations, and volunteering. I think an immediate need you said would be transportation. Our van picks up kids at the Two Lakes School at 3.30 p.m., four days a week, Monday through Thursday, and brings them back here, and then we'll be able to return them home at 6 o'clock. If volunteering would be something that you could be able to do, that would be helpful for us. You are a church that values education. I want now to take this moment before we get to the preaching moment for you to be able to recognize all of you who are in education. Yeah. Okay, so 
if you are an educator, an administrator, if you are a homeschool mom or a homeschool dad, I want you to stand. We're going to pray for you at the close of the service. We want to recognize you right now. If you are in education, and I, I just I know there's a lot of you. I know you're a dean. First year teacher, Shelby. Oh my goodness. I want you as a church to look around and see how many of us are in education. Keep standing. There's a principal back here. Teachers, keep standing. Your church is for you and loves you and believe God has called and commissioned you to this field of education, which I believe is a ministry field. So thank you for what you're doing and what you will do. It is not a great climate right now to do what you're doing. So thank you from the bottom of our hearts. So church and all of us, let's give a huge round of applause for our teachers. Even our teens with the, I like that, I like that, that was really good. I like that, that was really, 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 really good. I am a, I'm a product of, of two school teachers over here. We've got a math teacher and a home ec teacher. And uh, some of you are students of teachers, some of you are, are children of teachers. Um, there was a poster my dad had in his classroom. <laughs> I don't well, know why I'm getting, it's a joke, I don't know why I'm getting choked up, but it's always stuck with me. And it's Garf, it was a Garfield poster. I looked through so many Google images for this Garfield poster that maybe I've made it up in my mind. But the, the, in my mind, that Garfield poster said, Mr. Smith, the math teacher, you're either part of the problem or you're part of the solution. And I want to say thank you for the ways in which you, as educators, and as a church that cares about education, is making a difference. Oh, okay. So, I get to play a variety of different roles here at OKC First Church. On Wednesday night, I get to be a teacher. And so, there's a class that I've taught every year for the last 10 years called Disciple. And so some of you can't take disciple, so I thought I'd bring disciple to you. Every Wednesday night from, uh, let's see, we will start the week after Labor Day. I will sit in, in a seat in room five right here. I'll have my Yeti cup, sometimes two. I have my Bible in front of me. I'm going to be opening it up to the Gospel of Matthew. And then we'll have a couple of different resources. For the first semester, when we start from September till Christmas, we'll be looking through our Disciple Fast Track Old Testament Study Manual. I'm going to hold this right here, camera two, if you can zoom in to that, uh, that resource for our online congregation. Um, and then in, in, the, in, the, in the spring, come after Christmas, we go through the New Testament. I am going to encourage you, if you are part of the life of OKC First Church, you are invited to participate in Disciple. Pastor Matt's going to give you an opportunity to, to sign up for that in our, in our, in our uh, friendship clipboard later in the service. This year might not be the year, but sometime would you consider one time over the next three years to journeying with us through Scripture? We go from 
the beginning of the beginning to the book of Revelation. And we have so much fun and make so many discoveries. And you're going to be learning about some of them here today. But we get a chance, I think most importantly, to become friends. Now, if you've participated in Disciple, and Disciple predates me here with Pastor Judy Cox, if you've participated in Disciple at some time in the next last 15 years, could you stand? I want to see how many of you have participated in Disciple over these last 15 years. Uh, Thank you for your participation. How about a round of applause for all of these who have completed (laughs) Disciple? Poor, Poor Richard Mead is stood for both of those, and you're just back in the back of the sound booth, and no one can see. You get credit for both of them, Richard. Uh, I love the role that I play as teacher and educator when I get to sit in this chair and open up the scriptures for you. And we're going to be doing a little bit of bringing, for some of you won't be able to do disciples. Some of you can't make that commitment from, to go from September to May. We meet from 6.30 to 8 o'clock, and we dive into scripture. We ask you to read quite a bit of scripture from, from Wednesday to Wednesday in preparation. Some of you can't commit to that. So I thought today, I'm going to bring disciple to you. So this is going to be a short, little, small disciple class, devotional. And for those of you who are worried, we still are going to have Eucharist. Because you can't preach the feeding of the 5,000 with the taken, blessed, broken, given gifts of God without inviting you to the table. But every single disciple, oh, look at this, my friends. Oh, my favorite thing about disciple. And those of you who have been in disciple know that I have a favorite scripture every week. I will say each week, this is the best scripture in scripture. And then next week we have another best scripture in scripture. But the last few years have been such a blessing. And we will have a Zoom component. So some of my friends who are watching online who um, would like to perhaps join us for this year uh, with, our, with our class will always have a Zoom, op- Zoom option as well. And we ask for a big commitment from you. We ask you, if you have Thunder season tickets and you have a playoff game on that Wednesday night, you need to sell those tickets for profit and come to Disciple. <laughs> we, ask just, we ask for all of you, for just one year, one year on Wednesday nights, we need all of you. And so we gather together, and the thing that I think is most... I've learned through the years, and look at some of you who are at the very beginning. I think I, Laura, I think I wanted you to beat all of your friends at Bible Jeopardy. That's what was my goal when we started. And yet, education is transformative in its data, but also so transformative relationally. So we have a question of the week in every single disciple class. Usually we go, for those of you who are introverts, it's okay, I will not force you to say aloud. I do pretty good with introverts. Don't I, Rob Wilson? Doesn't I do a pretty good job uh, with with you this year? Uh, Calling you out in church. We have a question of the week, and we, we go around and answer that question as we get to know one another over that first semester. And so our question of the week this week for Disciple is this, who is your favorite teacher of all time? Okay, if you may be sitting next to someone, you may not. You can get in groups of one, well, you can't get in a group of one. You can get in groups of two or three. I want you to find somebody near you, and I want you to answer that question. Who is your favorite teacher of all time? Again, groups of two or three. If you are some of our friends who are watching online, I want you to text your person you text the most. My preacher is asking me to answer this question, and my favorite teacher of all time is this. So, okay, you can get up and move if you need to. You can find a connection. You may not know somebody, but you introduce yourself. You are answering this question, 
Who is your favorite teacher of all time? You have two minutes to share, and that includes the answer to the question, why, if you have time to it. My timer has started. Two minutes begin now. Is my mic on? Ah, settle down, class. Good thing I wasn't yelling that. Okay. Uh, I've always kind of wanted to say that. That was really fun for me. Uh, and some of you may have answered, um, Coach, I wouldn't ask a few of you who your, who your favorite teacher was and the, and the reason why. So that's a part of disciple is getting to know one another. And I am so grateful for the ways in which significant teachers have made an impact on your life. I went back to the sloth hours. I said, who is your answer? And they said, well, Jesus. And I said, oh, that's always the right answer in disciple. <laughs> it transitions us absolutely perfect to the gospel of Matthew. Because Jesus is rabbi or teacher. Again, this is for those of you who are taking the class in the upcoming year. If there is a question, there is a grand probability that the correct answer is the word Jesus. So that's just a little tip for you ahead of time. If I call on you and you, don't, and you haven't been paying attention, just say Jesus. And like this 80% chance, it's going to be right on. So one of the things we do in Disciple is we explore Scripture and how Scripture fits together. Because there are four different Gospels, and each Gospel has a different function. Matthew is doing certain things that Luke is not. And Luke has a specific role and function, just like John does, and same with Mark. And so each of these Gospels have something differently. So we need to, as we go into a, a Scripture like Matthew, we need to make sure we know what's happening in Matthew. So there's a phrase we say when we get to the 26th week of disciple, when we turn the page to Jesus and we get to explore Jesus for the first time, there's a certain phrase we say each time we turn the page to Matthew. And look at the Riggins. Just Anne's got the biggest smile on her face. They've they're two-time graduates of disciple. Take it, they take it twice. And so you may remember this. But this is a phrase that is read when we talk about Matthew. That in Matthew, Jesus was the Jewish disciple sent by the Jewish God to the Jewish people in fulfillment of the Jewish scriptures. So one of the functions of Matthew is he is going to be bridging us to the Yahweh of the Old Testament. So Luke's function is this incredible opportunity to make sure we know what the gift of the church is in Acts. John is this evangelistic gospel that tells us to follow Jesus, talking about light and life. But Matthew starts first because Matthew's bridging us to understand that that same Yahweh that we're talking about in the Old Testament is the Jesus we find in the New. And that's one of the concepts and big picture moments in Disciple. That we, we don't believe that there is an Old Testament God of wrath and then a New Testament God of Jesus who's nice. We believe that there is one God who is full of love and compassion and grace. And if that's something that you struggle with, we want you to take disciple. Because I want to help you draw that line, the gift of God of Scripture, of the gift of God who is always love from the beginning of the story, throughout the middle, to the end. And that's a scavenger hunt that we get to go on together. So this is one of the phrases you need to know, even as we look at the gift of the scripture of the feeding of the 5,000, you need to remember this, that Jesus was the Jewish Messiah sent by the Jewish God to the Jewish people in fulfillment to the Jewish scriptures. Matthew is going to be connecting us from the New Testament story of God to the Old Testament story of God, one story of God's love for his people. 
And so at the beginning of every disciple, our disciple fast-tracked workbook gives us a human condition. I didn't choose the human condition for this short disciple lesson in the middle of Sunday morning to be the Matthew, uh, the Matthew one that we get in our workbook. I chose a new one. The human condition, looking at this particular story of the feeding of the 5,000, human condition is this. We don't have enough. Now, I've already asked you to stand twice, so I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. But can we all raise our hand when we come to the human condition inside of ourselves that we say out loud, I just don't have enough. We just, we just don't have enough. I think probably every one of you at some point of your life has said this phrase to yourself or to someone that you love. We just don't have enough. As I look out and see so many teachers, what about support and resources? We just don't have enough. What about finances and volunteers? We just don't have enough. What about just making it to the next day? Some of you need daily bread. Some of you have come into this space and you don't have enough for the next day. So the human condition that we're presented with in this passage in particular is this. We don't have enough. And so how is Jesus going to address that in the feeding of the 5,000? Thanks, Stacy, for reading this, and thanks, Ronnie, for as fast as you could getting the first half of that up on the scriptures in front of us. But there was this moment that Jesus is confronted with this huge crowd, 5,000 men, then women and children. So we're probably talking more like 20,000 people. And the disciples, being helpful, come to Jesus and say, Jesus, we need to send these people home. They need to buy food for themselves. And Jesus answers, like a good teacher, Jesus says to them, they need not to go away. You give them something to eat. Now, I don't know about you, but this is like that Garfield poster. You're either part of the problem or part of the solution. I think the disciples are being helpful, saying, hey, they, we need to get them out of here. We need a little bit of a break. And what does Jesus do? Jesus says, well, well you do something about this. Have you ever wanted to just complain? And after you've complained to somebody, they offer to have you be part of the solution? Man, that's frustrating. I never like that. I sometimes I just want to complain about something, right? I don't, want, I don't want to be the answer to my own problems. I don't know why Ken's laughing so hard. But yes, Ken, it may, maybe it's happened to you. But there's something about Jesus' response here that Jesus is going to, in the character of God throughout time, rely on us for the mission. So how does he do that as he partners with the people of God? These disciples respond, we have nothing here but five loaves and two fish. And he said, Jesus said to them, bring them here to me. So Jesus orders the crowds to sit down on the grass and a miracle happens. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and he blessed it, broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds. So the gift of God for the people of God becomes in this moment the taken, blessed, broken, and given meal for the people of God. Doesn't that sound familiar as it will be the call for us to come to the table here in a few minutes? The passage continues. All ate and were filled, and they took up what was left of the broken pieces, 12 baskets full. 
And those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. A miracle happens in their midst. Now, there's something interesting about this passage that we need to investigate, and that's part of what looking at disciple is. It's kind of being an investigator. It's trying to figure out what is this scavenger hunt happening in the Scripture. So we're going to go to the very beginning of the Scripture. And the very beginning of the Scripture says this. Now, when Jesus had heard this, he withdrew there in a boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore... He saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them and cured their sick. Did you catch that in Matthew 14, verse 13? Now, when Jesus had heard this. Now, you wouldn't have known unless you had your Bible open in front of you what he heard. My Bible prof always said, when you're looking at Scripture and there's the word therefore, you better know what it's there for. So when you have something like this, now when Jesus had heard this, we need to know what he heard. Well, the story in Matthew 14, 1 to 12, is a story that is a heart-wrenching story of pain, betrayal, and murder. Jesus' cousin, his friend, his partner in ministry, John the Baptist, His head is taken on a platter. And this terrible story ends like this. Verse 11 of chapter 14. John's head was brought on a platter and given to the girl who brought it to her mother. The disciples came and took the body and buried it. Then they went and told Jesus. And we enter into this story. The feeding of the 5,000. Now, when Jesus had heard this, what did he hear? The murder and betrayal and loss and perhaps even foreshadowing of his own potential life-threatening way of being in the world. And he went to be alone. He went to be alone and he was followed. And while he was followed, his character shone through once again. And he had compassion and he healed people, and we come to our miracle today. Because you remember, Matthew is connecting us to the Old Testament story of God. That in Matthew, Jesus was the Jewish Messiah sent by the Jewish God to the Jewish people in fulfillment of the Jewish scriptures. And so, that is the core of everything that Matthew is doing all the way back to the genealogy. For those of you who may not be familiar, Matthew starts with genealogy. And where does that genealogy start? With Abraham, the father of all Israelites, the father of all Jewish people. There is a function to the gospel of Matthew. He is doing something in particular in this. And in this particular passage, Jesus goes to the wilderness after the heartbreak of the Roman Empire and a party. And he goes out and in the wilderness, he provides bread and fish for the multitudes. In this particular episode of Scripture in the book of Matthew, 
what Matthew is trying to accomplish in this moment is Jesus as a new and better Moses. Who else in Scripture from the old story of the Old Testament goes into the wilderness to hungry people who need compassion and provides both manna and quail? Moses. So the ears of those who are hearing this, who are our Jewish friends, who are trying to make the connections between who is this man and what does he stand for, he is a new and better Moses who is providing not manna and quail, but now fish and bread. And in a little bit, he's going to be providing the whole of himself, the gift of bread and cup. Because one of the things that we will do throughout all of our year in Scripture is making sure that we bring home this point. And I like to use a particular Scripture in Hebrews because it's my favorite. It's Hebrews 1, 3, and the first part of it. Jesus is the reflection of God's glory and the exact imprint of God's very being. And he sustains all things by his powerful word. My friends, over probably seems like half of you have taken disciple. You will hear this time and time and time and time again. That Jesus is the exact imprint of God's very being. When we are trying to discover what God looks like, the answer is always, God looks like Jesus. We look through all of the Old Testament through the lens of the one who we worship, whose name is Jesus. Jesus is the exact imprint of God's own being. And Jesus has always been full of compassion and grace for those who need him the most. Now, I thought about having my team bring out my whiteboard, but that just seemed like a bit much. But there will be times when at this moment I would jump up and I'd go right here and I'd grab my whiteboard and I'd start writing on the whiteboard. And I would write these three words, which you will hear time and time and time again throughout all of your time in Disciple. These three words. Exodus, exile, and Easter. These three big motifs where God, from the beginning of Scripture until the end of Scripture, is always on the lookout for his people and all who need him the most. God, full of compassion and love and grace, finding, remembering, and providing just what people need at the right time. That is the witness of God for the people of God. And that's what we try to do throughout the entire year, is finding ways. It's so fun to look out there and see some of you who just went through the class. Emily Bernhardt. So fun to have you, always nodding and smiling along, and just you're, you're in constant encouragement, because what I wanted to do, and I think it is the witness of God for all who have gone through the class when I asked them to write, what did you take the most this year from disciple? Most of you say the friends that I met along the way were the gift of God for the people of God. And then the second witness is usually this, coming into class, I had a picture of this God of the Old Testament and I had a picture of Jesus, and I wasn't quite sure how to figure out how Jesus matched up with the God of wrath that I've heard about and read about in the Old Testament. And the testimony usually is, and Faith, I think you are a strong voice of this, God is love, has been love, will always be love, and God is always on the lookout for those who are in need. The stories that we find 
in Exodus, in exile, and in Easter is a God of love who looks for people who are in distress, remembers them, and lifts them up. Now, you remember that we started our lesson with the human condition of we don't have enough. And we end each session with a mark of discipleship, a gospel response. And the mark of disciple and the gospel response to this week's lesson in disciple is this. Disciples trust that God will provide. Trust. That's really hard. It's really hard when you are facing the human condition that we don't have enough. It's really difficult, and it needs the Spirit of God for you to respond as a disciple to be able to say, God will provide. Because some of you have come into this space, and you don't have enough. And you face difficulties that you don't know how you are going to face for the days ahead. And yet, the good news this morning, this gospel response that we find in the witness of the feeding of the 5,000, but not just there, I would say the witness of the whole of Scripture is that God will provide. And would you be willing to, with open hands, trust? Now, the response for a sermon or a disciple lesson like this, for me, is fairly easy. Because what does God do in this moment for us? God invites us to the table. God does not in any way force you. There's no coercion in this moment. Pastor John says each week that you are invited. None of you are coerced. None of you are compelled to come here by force, but you're invited to this place. Some of you who have taken disciple or or some of my favorite Bible quizzers are thinking about all the stories in Scripture in which when there didn't seem to be enough, God came through And God was able to provide. Whether it's oil or protection or love, the invitation to the table is an invitation to grace and an invitation to trust and an invitation that there will be enough, whatever that enough is for you. And so I would love to invite those who are serving this morning to take their places in this space. I believe Avarilla and Kristen may be helping our servers get ready. Jesus, in this passage of the feeding of the 5,000, does just what he does as he redefines the Passover moment for the people of God as we have Eucharist this morning. So I'm going to say a short prayer and continue our instructions as we get a chance to have Jesus do a miracle in us. 
And so, Jesus, we ask that you will bless these elements and transform them, God, into a means of grace. That, God, that as you invite us to the table, these elements will be transformed as grace for us for just what we need. And, God, it would allow us in these moments to trust you and to be able to, as a disciple of Christ, believe that you will provide. So God, we ask that you would give us just what we need this morning. Amen.